All right, everyone. Welcome to another end of the year best of podcast, the Prague Report. This is Roy, and joining me is our uh, special group this year. We have uh, Dan Levy. Hey, everyone. Hello, you're on that side. Uh, Jeff Bailey on that side. Hello. Uh, Kyle Fagala and Prague Nick joining us again. Hello, everybody. Well, I think last year we had a six person. I think Victor joined us, but he couldn't make it this year. So uh we'll throw in some honorable mentions to try and include some of his uh but it's been a, a crazy busy year uh, so many albums we've reviewed so many and uh a lot of you know uh reunions and returns of of really well-known bands and uh epics and box sets and uh, all sorts of extravaganzas so lots to cover some surprises some new bands all that kind of stuff and um we know that uh that this is always one that that uh, people that listen to us find out about some new albums that they missed or discover bands they didn't hear about and stuff like that. So hopefully that's the case this year. Um, you know, ju- just generally, guys, if anybody wants to just chime in before we get started on talking about some of the albums. I mean, Dan, what was your feeling of the year overall? Better than last year? Uh, uh, same? Um, I think it's around the same, man, because like last year we had one of my top albums uh, Rise Radiant this year we got Transatlantic, Lapras, uh, Neo Morse Band. It's just like a lot of quality stuff and very varied as well. It's uh, a good variety we got. Like you have stuff like between the Buried and Me and DBA and they are both quality albums and like all released on the same year. So a lot of variety if you like different so- uh, sorts of styles in Prague. Yeah. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think I suppose 2020 was a was a strange year in terms of um, probably a lot of the music that that came out over the course of that year was constructed before, um, you know, lockdowns and such things kicked in. Obviously, then there's a period of time and you expect a, a knock on effect. Um, but I think most of the, the bands really got into their stride and certainly um, didn't let, uh, you know, the prevailing conditions prevent them. And it, it certainly didn't, you know, didn't stand in the way of there being an awful lot of good music produced during the course of the year, as we'll find out shortly. Yeah. Kyle, uh, you know, as someone who's always busy, I mean, was it, there were so many releases this year. Was it something where you had, was it, it was hard to listen to uh, this many albums over one year? Cause it's challenging at best, even for any of us, I think. Um, I, I do my best. So I, I, I would say that like looking at 2020 to 2021, I think 2021 is a better year. I think there was a greater variety of releases. And I think you see a lot of the, the lockdown, like post lockdown releases, where a lot of the writing was probably done during that period of extra time. And uh, so I think there's a lot of really creative work. And I, I have on my favorite songs of the year list, a lot of songs that kind of evoke on themes of lockdown and of solitude and of, you know, what we kind of all went through during COVID. So I think this is actually the year that most uh, gets at what we all went through in 2020. So, uh, and there was some of that last year, but I think this year is probably better in that way. Um, I always struggle to listen to all the music. You guys are way better at that than I am, but man, this weekend has been an intense study session <laughs> for me. So study, I've gotten to catch up on session. some stuff that I had missed, but no, I mean, I got to listen to most of this throughout the year. and There's been some great releases. So I, I tell you what's amazing about that is, is that, you know, I try to listen to as many albums as we can and we review so many and we, and between all of us, we cover so many different albums and styles that we like. And then we'll put out 
our album of the year and the, the Prog Report Awards, which has like some 30 some odd nominees. And then you'll still get in the comments, you guys forgot this and this and this and this and the other. And it's incredible. I'm like, how is that possible that, you know, we still missed some more things that are worthy and, and they very well might be, but my God, you, it's impossible to cover it all. Uh, yeah, but I think, the doc, you know, I think in this style, we're very fortunate to be able to say like this in each and every year, it seems every time it gets better and better. We have like so much quality music around it seems like every time every year it's more stuff and it never fails it's always good. I, I think it's it's one of the blessings of this era that we're in i think you know it's it's we're very fortunate nick what about you how was the year for you sort of recapping yeah uh, our cup runneth over i find it difficult to to keep up with everything quite honestly and uh you know leading leading up to this podcast <laughs> i had a lot of catching up to do i it, it was it was a, a year which was a feast for proggers um Kind of carried on from from 2020, I suppose. Uh, I remember uh, this time last year, I, I commented that um, Daniel Ek had 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 made made uh, uh, a comment that musicians right. need to make more music. You know, well, I mean, yet again in 2021, uh, the the prog scene has proved that it is uh, highly prolific and. Um, we're blessed. It's been a it's been a fantastic year, and I'm still discovering all the music. Um, and I guess I will be into 2022. But, yeah. yeah. Well, and and with that said, I mean we we already are on to anticipating some amazing releases next year because we've had the Portmetry single, the the Virgilio Morse Jennings uh, first single, Julia just dropped, and that's coming out next year. And um, you know a bunch of stuff that's going to be uh, coming. Who down knows what soon, else? So. So 2022 is already going to be off to a good start. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we're each going to cover three albums. These aren't in, in any ranking, any particular order. What we did was we we sort of discussed over ourselves the 15 that we felt covered the most ground, that, that we all liked the most, um, and then divided them up uh, for each of us to kind of bring uh, up and present and talk about. And, um, you know, that sort of will be our, our rank, our overall kind of best of uh 2021 so i'll go ahead and get us started um i'm gonna go my, my first choice is uh is the fourth album from downs braid association halcyon hymns which uh I, you know i probably have talked about before earlier this year uh chris braid and jeff downs make up the duo uh, and they always have a few guest musicians with them on their various albums but it's largely uh up until this point been sort of an electro pop very 80s influenced um, kind of music thing. This album, which I think is their best work, uh, is a bit more organic, uh, a bit more acoustic uh, and pianos and, and orchestration and things like that. Overall, I think all the songs are, are brilliant throughout. It's a great listen. It's a, it's, it is a pop record ultimately, but I don't know. There's something still kind of prog about it. Uh, I feel like it, it just falls into that. It's very, very kind of old school, kind of British, um, uh, you know, kind of wistful kind of narration going on throughout different tracks. There's an 11 minute uh, pseudo epic, I guess you would call it, called Remembrance at the End, which has uh, a lot of heavy narration. Um, uh, well, I should mention that David Longden does uh, provide uh, backing vocals on one track. Uh, as well as Mark Almond and a few other people. Dave Bainbridge is, is a guitarist on this one. It's just a really great listen from beginning to end. Um, I, you know, I think the, um, 
probably the first single and opening track level was it, uh, what's it called? Love Among the Ruins. I kept going to say Love Will Find a Way, but <laughs> uh, Love Among mm-hmm. the Ruins uh, is, is probably one of my favorite songs of the year. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that it's a great, it's actually a nice album to start this uh, best of podcast. I think it's, it's a sort of easy, mellow kind of intro into what this year was about. But it's an album that you can put on at any time and get through the whole thing and just really be in a good mood. That's how I sort of describe it. I When I was looking for something to listen to and I wasn't in mood for metal and I didn't know what I wanted to put on, I'm like, oh, I can put this on again. And it just stuck with me throughout the year and I just enjoy it every time. So that's my first choice. Chris Fred has got such a great voice. Yeah. Fantastically crafted album. And I I was a big, big fan of their last one, the um, Skyscraper Souls from 2017. And I think it, it, I mean, this follows in a, in a similar sort of template, as you said, perhaps a little bit more pastoral in places. Um, Dave Bainbridge, a fantastic addition on all sorts of stringed instruments, including guitars. And, um, I think King of the Sunset, which is one of the tracks with David London on it, is, is certainly one of my favorites um, from the year. But as you say, it, you know, it's it, if you if you know, well, obviously, Jeff Downs and Chris Braid, well, Jeff has a history and, you know, Chris even currently um, works very much in the in the pop genre. And this is kind of their, I suppose, his you know indulgence project, if you like, Um and, and getting a chance to work in a in a different format, um, but certainly that combination of the the prog sensibility, but actually the the brilliance brilliance of the songwriting makes it a, a tremendous listen. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So moving on. Um, so let's get to our next album. Uh, I guess next on our list was going to be Nick, with your first uh, item to talk about. Okay. So in in September, uh, Cyan released uh, their album for King and Country. Um, now, for those of us who have reached a certain age, and by that I mean Jeff and myself, um, you know... Not the same age as you. <laughs> you, know, you know, when we were schoolboys, we dreamed of making music like our 70s prog heroes. Uh, classic era, era Genesis and Yes and... Um, uh, Robert Reed, who who is the driving force behind Cyan, but also behind Magenta and and various other bands, uh, he was of the same mind. Um, in 1983, odd, he was at school and uh, decided that he he wanted to put together a band that that would uh, uh, that would reflect his his 70s uh, uh, classic prog. Uh, roots and and so he put together uh, a demo of this very album for King and Country uh, way back in 1983. Um, he sent that demo out on cassette and eventually 
finally recorded it as Cyan in 1993. And after three albums, Cyan led to Magenta. Cyan, Magenta, get it? Um, Okay, so uh, in my opinion, Rob Reed is one of the unsung heroes of prog. He really is. He constantly delivers very high quality material in, in, in various uh, under various brand names. Um, he's always doing something of note. Um, and it, 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 it's not without reason that, that he's respected as, as, as one of the top producers and, and really one of the prog luminaries of, of, of Europe based, out of, uh, based in Wales. Um, but in 2021, he decided to re-release for King and Country, but not just re-release it. <laughs> He rewrote it. Uh, um, he got a whole new lineup for Cyan. And um, wow, what a lineup it was. Peter Jones, who impressed so much in the 2020 Prog from Home concert, um, who's, who's known as the keyboard player of Camel and, and his, own, his own band Tiger Moth Tales. Um, Luke Mashin of The Tangent, of Francis Dunnery's It Bites, and... Uh, uh, of of uh, his own band Machine, and um, uh, on on bass Dan Nelson and Tim Robinson on drums, a, a really incredible lineup. And what Reed did was completely rework the album and give it all the bells and whistles. Um, and I've listened to the to the original 1993 release, and while it's wonderful, um, this takes it up a whole to, to a whole new level. It really is. Uh, um, very extravagant, very lush production, but not pompous sounding as as some people might expect it to be. Um, great songs, fantastic, fantastic prog that that um, any anybody who who followed Genesis and and Yes would love. It's got all the requisite Game of Thrones imagery, the uh, songs about wizards, and uh, a, a, a song about a, a war hero. Um, and it's very, it's that that kind of album where it's very hard to pick a, a particular favorite. So um, I'll, I'll I'll just say to you, listen to it all. It's it's it, it really is emblematic of what we as followers of seventy prog love. Seventies prog. Uh, it's great. Got a great five point one surround mix, which is one of Rob Reed's specialities. And just in closing, to quote from Jeff's great review of the album, don't read the blurb and write it off as a rehash of old material. It's a band lineup that absolutely gels and shows each player in the best possible light. That's absolutely true. Spot on, Jeff. Um, so Cyan's for King and Country. The light starts to glow. The light it turns to blue. Did you pull that nice. quote off Wikipedia? Was that where <laughs> Jeff's yeah, everywhere, man? Jeff Bailey was couldn't quoting. have said it. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> oh, wait, I did. Well, I think I think you're right. I totally agree, Nick. And I think um, I I am really looking forward to seeing if that band then make an album under their own steam because I think that's an absolutely fantastic um, lineup who could who could do amazing things. That was a surprise for me because I actually wasn't familiar with the original version. But when I 
when I did hear this version, um, it, listen, it does sound very retro, no doubt, but it's, it also has a freshness about it. And, you know, Peter, Pete Jones's voice is just so amazing. And all the players and everybody are, are so top notch. Um, the production is incredible. And again, it's one of those albums where, that I really hope that if anybody missed it, because it's not on a major label and it's put out independent, and I'm not even, I don't even think it's on Spotify or anything like that. So maybe this is a way to bring some attention to it. But it's it's definitely something you would enjoy if you like the music that we like. It is an album you will in, definitely enjoy. It's great stuff. You can get, you can it, get on it on Bandcamp. On Bandcamp, Band Band Camp, yeah. yeah. And uh, and the Tiger Moth Tales website also, I think, is where you, where it's yeah. for sale. Uh, okay, so uh, next up, Dan, what do you got? Okay, so um, around like six months ago, Roy and I did a podcast talking about the releases of the first half of the year, and we we were already surprised by how much stuff was out at the time, and so now you double that, you got even more, but one of the albums that we both really enjoyed, uh, and it's probably one of our mutual favorites, is the album Witness by the band Fola. Um, so in case you aren't familiar with them, Vola is a prog metal band from Copenhagen that has been active for around 15 years or so. They're led by uh, their vocalist and guitarist, man, I might butcher this, but it's Asger Miggen, yeah. who's a brilliant songwriter. And uh, so Vola has an interesting sound. They sound very modern and like mix heavy guitars, uh, like riffs, electronic sounds, but still has those elegant and lighter touches, which make it balanced and extremely enjoyable to listen to. Um, so Witness has all of that. So many great tracks in this. The opening song, Straight Lines, fun fact, was my most listened to track of the year, according mm -hmm. to my Spotify stats anyways. Um, so you can see I really love them. A couple of other standout tracks, in my opinion, are 24 Light Years, which is more of a ballad, amazing song. Um, Stone Leader Falling Down is a heavy, like headbanging track with one of the coolest breakdowns riffs breakdown riffs ever and the perfect closer in my opinion is um inside your fur which might be my favorite on the album like from the opening drum fill it's a classic to the incredible ending with the melodic choirs and i mean all in all i love this record and i highly recommend it if you're a fan of this heavy rhythmic melodic sort of prog um like say tesseract or Porcupine Tree, some of the heavier uh, moments in Devin Townsend. I think these are all of the influences for the band as well. So if you enjoy this kind of stuff, you'll definitely like this. couldn't stop listening to this album it's definitely one of my favorites it's you know definitely some of my favorites this year include dream theater uh neil morse band transatlantic and and i would put this album right up there for me with with those i i, I really thought it was great you know stylistically i was thinking about it there was an album a few years back that i was really into from that band sub signal mm -hmm. la muerta i think it was called yeah this album reminds me a lot of that sound yeah. and style there's some of it here for sure. It's it's it has really kind of heavy, dark, double bass metal undertones, but the melodies and the vocals are really bright. 
and mm-hmm. uh, the the contrast of how the band does it is is excellent, and, yeah, and well it has said. definitely a modern sound. They had a few plays here, even on U.S. radio, with that with some of those songs. So I hope that's a band that continues to grow. They're really quite good. Yep. Um, okay, Kyle. Yeah, let's let's do this thing. Uh, I enjoyed of those that we just talked about. Downs Braid was was great. Uh, I've listened to that since I finally decided to listen to it, and I listened to it a ton this weekend. It's awesome. And then also that Vola album is really great. So, Twenty Four Light Years made my favorite songs of the year. Um, that drum beat the, in that song is so yeah, it's cool. really cool. Yeah. yeah, it's just great one. So, um, I'm gonna start with uh, Between the Buried and Me. This is gonna be Colors Two. And they've been around for, goodness, quite some time now. I think this is maybe their seventh or eighth studio album, depending on how you count uh, the anatomy of. But uh, they are a technical prog band. If you aren't familiar with them, they do this sort of thing where they'll switch from sort of smooth melodic vocals to growling vocals, all while playing a super eclectic mix of musical styles. And so there's a few bands that do this, but on some level, I think there may be the best at it. Uh, this album, it reminds me of an album, uh, Empath from 2019, Devin Townsend's. It kind of has that, you never know what you're going to get. It's going to like kind of take a, you know, turn this way or that way into something just crazy. And um, there's a lot going on from a production standpoint. This specific album, it's a sequel to their 2007 album that, as I understand, was kind of when I f- first became aware of them. And it's on some level like their breakthrough album. So the 20, yeah. uh, 2007 album, Colors, it had a song on Rock Band, for whatever that's worth. That was a big deal to, to me at the time. Sequel to the prequel. Um, I guess I'll say this, and we were talking about this before the show, but it's a lot of music, and it's kind of what they're known for. It's 80 minutes. Uh, it ends with a 15-minute epic called Human as Hell, another one with love in, in parentheses. Uh, which closes the album out, but I mean, just the album in general, it's just, it's very dense. Each song has a ton going on, and you can kind of say it's a challenging album. So it's almost like, I don't know, like a three and a half hour film or something, you know, like a, like a French film. But it's one of these things that like, with more listens, you're going to like it more and more and more. If you don't like growling vocals, you may not like it, and I do struggle with that, but there's a lot going on here in this album that is really good and worth listening to. Um, here's a fun fact, because I always, in some way or another, talk about Mike Portnoy. Their first single, Fix the Error, does have a drum solo by Mike Portnoy on it. So um, this is definitely one that Vic should be reviewing. Um, but I know there's a couple of us here that, that like it. And so in honor of Vic, uh, this is Between the Berry to Me. Yeah, I know he definitely is a big fan of this record. Uh, they're a band that I, I always struggle with listening to as much as I think maybe I should. Because when their albums first come out, I like them. Um, I, I, I think Tommy Rogers is a, is a really good vocalist. You know, Blake Richardson and, and all those guys. I mean, they're incredible musicians. Uh, it's just like what you're saying. It's, it's always hard to put one of their albums on and listen to it from beginning to end because it just like tears your face off after about 25 minutes it's just relentless and 
And then you look at it and you go, oh, my God, there's like 40 more minutes. I can't. I just can't do it. <laughs> you know. And so because the music's bad, it's just so much going on for every second of the time it's playing. It, it's was crazy. that what they split yeah. their last album in, into well, two I, parts, I, maybe? Well, I thought that was the perfect way to do it. They split yeah. the last one into part one and part two. They were like EPs. Each one was about maybe four or five tracks. And it was much more uh, easily digestible that way, I thought. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, when, I, when I think about the band between The Buried and Me, um, it's an interesting thought about like how prog covers so many different sounds. I think there's a subset of prog fans that when they think of the genre, they first think about Between The Buried and Me, Periphery, and these kind of bands. While we as a group, excluding Victor, we usually go on around different paths. So it's funny, you can like ask someone, hey, are you a prog fan? Yeah. And then you have two people like, let's say, uh, Nick and Vic have like totally separate tastes. Um, and every time I listen to it, I, it always gets like a, a subject of interest in my mind. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the one thing that's cool about our group and about like you're saying about the genre is that you can have DBA, Cyan and Between the Buried and Me and call them all prog. And they're all <laughs> completely different in every which way. Yeah. But the thing with a prog fan is that you can appreciate all of those because you find the quality in it. That's the whole thing. The story is that they're telling, you know, I know Jeff has struggles with the growl vocals of a between the buried and me, but I, I, I would imagine he could listen to it and go, okay, these guys are clearly good musicians and there's a lot of thought into this. I can ap appreciate it from that angle, even though it may not be something I listen to. So I think that that's, you know, I think at the, at the least the bottom level, how, how they all sort of relate. Um, mm -hmm. All right, so uh, Jeff, your your first record. Um, okay, so the first one I've got um, is is one that I reviewed recently on the site. It's just very recently come out. Ross Jennings, um, a shadow of my future self, and I suppose if you if you follow these podcasts or this website at all, um, Ross is certainly a distinctive voice in the genre today. And um, it's his voice that is very much the constant in this album because it um, goes through all sorts of twists and turns of musical styles and moods. Um, you know, starts off with a, a sort of harmony-laden acoustic track, Better Times, switches to uh, one of the singles, the um, Words We Cannot Say, which is almost like 80s pop rock. Um, and the Violet, which is a kind of almost funk type track. Um, you know, it, it's an album of, of lots of melody and, and big choruses. And uh, Rocket Science has one of those jazz elements in Young at Heart. Um, it's, it's really a brilliant sort of musical cornucopia to use a, a very large word that I don't think, uh, don't <laughs> think we've, we've used on this podcast before. Um, uh, and yeah, just a really, really, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I, I mean, it's it's a running joke that I'm not, certainly there are bigger Hagen fans than me uh, within this group, um, but this this album really resonated with me. Um, Simon Sandez, killer drums throughout um, the track Feelings with a, with a video that's like Daniel Levy's Dream World. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with its uh, Nintendo elements and... Um, you know, a track like uh, Phoenix as well, which is probably a more prog-based track. Um, 
and it ends with a bonus track of a dual lipa cover you know what what else could you add into the mix um so it's an album that i've really really enjoyed i've visited a lot um great to play on a car journey um and again uh, i think i think it just shows a whole other side uh to ross that hagen and novena um don't even tap into so yeah certainly on on my one of my favorites of the year The word that came to mind when 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 I heard the album was elegant. Everything is just so elegant and silky smooth on that album. Wonderful production and the polar opposite of 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 um, I, I guess what your traditional Haken fan has come to accept uh, to, to expect. And it it just, it just shows the versatility of the man. Wonderful musician. Well, he's having a moment in the sun. I mean with you know standing out from the shadow of what haken is with his with this solo record and now the track julia with with nick de virgilio neil morstead on that new album that he's doing i mean certainly to be asked to be included with with those two for that uh, you know is, is a big deal and it shows you know what people think of him and that that he's really a talent and his songwriting is really impressive on this record uh, and it's 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 a really enjoyable album, and of course we should mention another great track from it, "Grounded," which is one of my favorites, which uh, Mr. Levy over here did the video for. Yep, brilliantly, very honored. So, love that song and love uh, "Apologist" as well. It's another one of my favorites. Great drums, uh, overall a uh, great record and a symbol of what an insanely talented musician Ross is. Yeah, really is, and, and highly recommend to check that out. So uh, that's our first round of records. Uh, we did DBA, Cyan, uh, what was yours, uh, Dan? Vola. Vola, uh, Between the Buried and Me, and Ross Jennings. So uh, nice little first round of records uh, to check out. I imagine some of those might be some things you missed, so we, we hope that uh, it drives you to check them out and maybe buy something. Um, okay, so uh, my second album is uh man another one of my favorites i feel like some of these records when i think about them it feels like it was last year it's such a long time ago that i was listening to altitude by life signs and i i just i i feel you guys can maybe vouch for this but i if there was one record that i harassed our group of fans about more it, i can't mm -hmm. believe it there was one i mean this was like <laughs> I was the only one that was listening to it at the time. And I think I was every day going, you have to listen to this record. You have to listen to this record. And uh, I just fell in love with it. Um, it's uh, it was John Young. I would, would give a little recap. I mean, they, Life Science formed in 2014. It's the brainchild of John Young, who's a, a well-known studio musician and worked with everybody from, you know, John Wetton to Bonnie Tyler and all sorts of other things. And uh, this is their third album, I believe. The, the last one was Cardington, which came out in 2017 and uh, fully funded uh, by fans. They don't do Spotify. They don't do anything like that as well. Another one of those things. And noted fact, another one with Dave Bainbridge uh, on guitar, which adds to my DBA connection. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I think the thing that struck to me with this one is the opening title track, which was which is a long epic uh, altitude where John described the lyrics to us, which I didn't catch at the time. But it was one of those guys that operates the drones in the military from afar, just drops bombs on cities and then and then has to feel the weight of that and, and goes home you know, every day to his bed and has to struggle with what he just did, which is so deep and, and intense. Um, but when you listen to the, the beauty of, of that track, it's just overwhelming. Uh, a, a few other tracks that are great, Gregarious, which is another, another good pop rocker in there, which kind of has a uh, Pink Floyd comfortably numb kind of ending, I feel like, which, which is really cool. And then there's a track, uh, Last Train Home, which is, my goodness, one of the, one of the best power ballads uh, you'll hear this year, which is a song that he had recorded with uh, John Wetton. Uh, what was, uh, Jeff, what was the name of the, of the group that they did that with? Flango, and it's called Last One Home. You're Last thinking Flang. I was going to say You're John Mayer. Flang. Flang. John yeah. Mayer of Flang Colors, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting my words mixed up. But, uh, yeah, Roy, you, Roy you, you stole that one from me. I'm going to have to sue you. <laughs> well, you did the review the... for it. You did the review for it on our website, so you had the, you had <laughs> yeah. the moment there. Uh, and, Court, uh, well, Court of the Coons and King, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah, so again, in, in revisiting that album again before this, it just r reminded me how much I do uh, like this record. I think it's easily their best one, and, it's, and I hope it's a band that uh, continues to put more music out. But again, if it's one that you missed because it's not on Spotify or anything like that, I, I would just tell you, just go ahead and get it. It's great. You won't be disappointed by this record. It's as, it's as, it is prog, and it everything that comes with it it is prog rock of the in the purest sense uh that you would like yeah it's very it's, good it's also got the moment of the year on it in my opinion the, are, are we in agreement is it the middle of altitude is that what we're talking it's about it's the middle of altitude yeah You'll know it when you hear it, folks. Yeah. You'll know it when you hear it. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Absolutely. It was your, your song of the year, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Top, number one. top five for me, for sure. Um, yeah. Okay, Nick, your next one. Okay, so this one comes with uh, more than a hint of sadness and poignancy. Um, in July, Big Big Train released Common Ground. Now, you know, in... It, in preparation for this podcast a couple of weeks ago, when you told us it was going to happen, Roy, uh, you know, I, I started collecting my thoughts and I thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to start this one um, with a comment about how, you know, Big Big Train nearly broke up uh, before, before they released this album. And then I was going to make a little joke about that. Well, it's not, not funny anymore because... Um, even though the band came back stronger than ever, of course, 
and that's all true. We now all know about the sudden and tragic death of David Longdon just last month in November. Talk about a year of change for that band. Well, first they had three departures, Rachel Hall, Danny Manners, and Dave Gregory. Um, the band survived that. They came back stronger than ever with this album, Common Ground. In, uh, and um, it, it's got everything that, 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 the, uh, that the, the big, big train uh, fan base called the Passengers would, would expect um, with a slightly harder edge um, the band even announced uh, a, another album, Welcome to the Planet, which is going to be released next year. And then suddenly David was dead. Um, so nothing more to be said about that other than looking past the tragedy to the album itself. Well, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of loosely based on uh, Rob Cowan's book, Common Ground. Um, it, and for those who haven't heard it, it's not Grimm's Pound on the one hand, it's heavier than that, but, but it's not the underfall yard on the other, it's more experimental than that. It is BBT to its core. Um, some amazing, amazing tracks on it. Uh, for me, the high points were Apollo. Uh, I love also All the Love We Can Give. We can give. Now, both of those um, are Nick Virgilio compositions. So call me a fan. I guess it's well known that I, that, that that I follow. Him Nick likes Nick. Yeah, exactly. Um, which was nice to see, you know, um, Nick giving more compositional in, input um, and also vocal input, ironically, uh, prior to David's death. Uh, and then, of course, the the epic on the album, which is called Atlantic Cable. Um, so. The question everybody's going to be asking and speculating on now is, well, will the band continue and, and will, they, uh, uh, will they replace David Longdon or will Nick DiVigilio spec, uh, step up to the mic yet again for the second, <laughs> second time in his career to, to front a band that, that, that has lost its vocalist? We don't know. Um, but the album itself is a fantastic legacy for David. Um, it, it, it has some very hooky, poppy numbers, like, like the opener, the, uh, the Strangest Times, which is about everything that's, that, that's been going on in the world, of course. Um, but it, it's, it's also got some extremely complex moments. Um, the, song I, the song I mentioned, Apollo, written by Nick, is, is an instrumental. Uh, and Nick describes it as the band's Los Endos, which I think is, is a, a, a pretty accurate description. Um, the album is full of David's very typical storytelling, um, the theme of human commonality, um, stories about laying steel cables across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and, uh, and, you know, there, there are moments of humor on, on, on the album as well. I don't know if you guys um, saw the video that the band shared on their blog about the making of, of Atlantic Cable. It, it, it's quite hilarious. It shows Nick um, trying to figure out the incredibly intense and difficult time signatures um, in the song Atlantic Cable. And he ends up swearing at Greg Sporton and, <laughs> and um, using some expressive language in trying to, trying to work it out. Um, Looking back on that, it's all the more poignant. You know, you could you can see that these guys loved and love each other. 
Um, and they, they, they are so much more than, as, as one reviewer described them, the, the ultimate big band prog group. Um, they, are, they are and were an amazing band. Um, and Common Ground is made all the more poignant and, and um, attractive to listen to because it is some of David Longdon's last work in his life so give it a listen those of you who haven't go and buy it um it is a wonderful legacy to david longdon and the rest of the band big big trains common ground a great album to uh if you're not a fan or have never listened to them it's a good album to get introduced to the band uh because there's a lot of accessible tracks in there starting with the opener um and some great ballads in there and even the title track is, is sort of a regular simple kind of pop single um for me the the best song is the closer end notes which is uh, as beautiful a song as they've ever written. But on the whole, I, I thought it was a fantastic album, one that really starts off differently. You, when I first, was first listening to it from the beginning, it throws a few curveballs at you from what you're used to from them, which I thought was nice. They found a way to tweak their sound just enough to refresh some things and um, without without taking things too drastically to a different place. Uh, and uh, again, we can talk... We did talk, we did do a podcast on the loss of David and how terrible it is. And I don't want to get into talking about that too much now. It's a you know, devastating loss to music and the band. Um, but you're right, as a, just a, to memorialize him with this album, I think is a, is a good place. Um, I, think, I think the band has, has had a very, very natural evolution. I mean, you know, they, haven't, they haven't done a whole lot of you know, radical you know, right or left turns along the way. And, you know, in the context of what they've done, you know, right the way through, I think this is a very natural next step, a lot of different elements, but actually not something that, you know, is going to alienate their, you know, their fan base um, and, you know, gradually starting to pepper in um, Carly and um, Dave and Claire, the the new members um, throughout this album. And I think, most of them play a play a larger part in the in the next album as well. So um, I'm sure it, this time next year we'll be we'll be talking about it. Well, there's already been I think four singles released from the upcoming record, "Welcome to the Planet," which comes out next month. So that stuff's already out there, and that album will be out soon. And and uh, that's also been great stuff. They they never disappoint. In the last. 10 years they have not put out something i've disliked so uh that's that's a, a great band um 
Okay, uh, Dan, your next one. Okay, let's go. Let's talk about one of the biggest albums of the year, the new Dream Theater album. Uh, a view from the top of the world so we got a lot to say so let's go uh, this this album has a very interesting story and from the way it was made the pandemic made them cut their tour short so rather than doing nothing they decided to go to their headquarters and start and start writing and recording a new album so that's the same place um both the john petrucci solo album and the Tension experiment three were recorded um, just last year and unfortunately due to that travel uh, restrictions James Lloyd couldn't be there and he contributed through Zoom while the other guys tracked and arranged everything um, and unlike the previous album Distance Over Time which is also very good uh, this time they didn't set any limits on song lengths or a specific style or tone they instead tried to go for their classic heavy and prog style akin to Scenes from Memory and A Change of Seasons. And in my opinion, they definitely succeeded. This, this record has everything you'd want as a Dream Theater fan. The crazy instrumental parts, uh, they are super creative this time. The songwriting on the slower sections is top notch. There's nothing cheesy or over-exaggerated. Um, and I think one of very important factor an aspect, in my opinion, is that they really respected uh, James's range and his vocals line, vocal lines sound really great in this album. Um, so, yeah, my favorite songs are Answering the Call, which has been on repeat for me all year. I love the riffs. I love the chorus. It's a really good track. Um, very addicting. And also Awaken the Master, which is the debut of John Petrucci's eight string action. And of course, the, the epic title track, which has, it's a journey and it just goes everywhere. And it's very fun to listen to and very creative. So since our resident uh, mixing enthusiast, Victor, is missing, <laughs> I, I thought I would make a comment about uh, the production of the album and what that's an aspect that blows my mind in so many different ways. Uh, Andy Sneep has nailed their sound to such a level, I think it might be one of the best sounding albums ever made, in my humble opinion. And it's it, it really it really sounds amazing. So yeah, uh, great album, definitely on the upper echelon of their new era's catalog. And I'd assume mostly everyone listening to this podcast has checked it out, but if you haven't, um, it's a good time. thing they've done since Octavarium, which was the best thing they did since uh, Images and Words. Well, like Dream Theater album rankings is a very touchy subject. <laughs> what? So let's not go there. If we did a ranking right here with the five of us, we'd all have five, five completely very different. different orders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm definitely biased on this one because I, I did get a chance to write the liner notes for the for the art book and the box set and and 
listen to the album early and, and all that stuff. Um, I love this record. You know, I'm a big fan, so I, I don't have a bad thing to say. But I, I, I will add on to your comment about the production. It's just an insanely clean, crisp, dynamic-sounding record. <laughs> it's astonishing, you could say. Um, yeah, sounding sound-wise, it's brilliant. Just awesome. So, yeah. If you like, again, I think it boils down to very simply, if you like dream theater in sort of the, the classic sense, the, the images and words, scenes from memory, change of seasons, you know, that kind of stuff, there's nothing to dislike about this record. Yep. And that's, I think that's sort of easily the way to put it. So, um, to me, it's their best Mangini era album. I think it's the most balanced and it feels like they finally landed on a singular approach to kind of what they're trying to do. And the last album did that too, I think. But to me, this one really nails that. Yeah. You've got to hand it to Mangini for his performance. It, it, it's, I think, his most organic performance with, with Dream Theory. It, I agree. Do, it, it doesn't sound machine-like at all, which, which is something he, he, he's been criticized for. And he actually played on a, on a smaller kit than he normally does instead of that monster, you know, recording-wise, which is... You know, Some of that's got to be the mix too. I, it was better on Distance Over Time than it had been on previous albums, but on this one, it really does sound great. And he plays. They, I mean, they figured out his sound for sure. It took a, took a few records. Yeah. But uh, yeah, right on. Uh, okay, so uh, let's see, uh, Kyle, your next one. All right. Uh, I'm not sure which one I'm supposed to do next. Even your after call. all that clamoring about order. Your call. I apologize. Um, Jeff, I'm going to go with an album that I think you liked. I'm going to go with Liquid Tension Experiment, LTE3. Um, Liquid Tension Experiment, uh, I think probably everyone's familiar with them. They are an instrumental prog supergroup formed in 97. They released albums in 98 and 99. And they are made up of Mike Portnoy, guitarist John Petrucci, keyboardist Jordan Rudess, and bassist Tony Levin. And as a kid, you know, that was like a big deal, both of those two albums. It was like the greatest thing that could exist in, you know, in my 17-year-old mind or whatever. Um, of course, then Jordan joined Dream Theater, so it kind of became a little bit pointless. They had a couple live releases and things, but they've not done anything officially in the last 21 years. Um, and so it's a big moment, of course, to have bandmates John, Jordan, and Mike back together on a recording. And of course, they flirted with different things. Jordan was on the cruise with Mike and... Uh, Mike recorded on Petrucci's solo album last year, um, but this was a big moment, and I think there was a lot of uh, excitement about it being released. Um, for me personally, and I'm, I've been trying to figure this out because I should have just absolutely loved this album, but I don't think it matches the first two albums. Some of that's probably just time, and maybe it's just inevitable that it's not going to. Um, and then some of it is it just has a little bit more of a heavy feel to it than maybe those first two albums. Um, and so, of course, that's subjective, and some people would probably prefer this album. Um, I really like kind of the spontaneous sort of ad-lib, like, again, like experimental type stuff that to me is more indicative of their first couple albums. Um, you know, they've got like a you know, 20, 30-minute track that just is them improving. You know, I miss that, although there is a bonus disc uh, that does have six improv songs on it. And so I think I actually missed the bonus disc when this came out, and then I've gone back later and listened to it, and I think I prefer that bonus disc. Somehow that speaks to me more than the regular disc does. 
Uh, but there's some great songs on there. The opening track, Hypersonic, which is the one that they teased. It feels to me like a, a new spin on Paradigm Shift a little bit. I mean, it's really cool. It's musically super amazing. They finally got a studio version of Rhapsody in Blue down, which is a classic Jordan moment from their live concerts. Um, and, uh, you know, there's great songs. There's a song on my top uh, tracks of the year, Blink of an Eye, which is the opening kind of ad-lib song that I think is great. I think it's as good as anything on the main disc. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a cool track. It's definitely one that deserves a spot. It's, I guess, the only instrumental album that we'll have on here. Um, and I have continued to go back to it. And so it definitely stands up with the first and second album. Maybe I don't like it quite as much, but let's be honest, it's great to have this album this year and to have these guys back together. And I hope they tour somehow and I get to go see them. The long track key to the imagination is one that when I first got the album, I like this is a long track instrumental liquid tension experience. This is the stuff that I live for. Um, and it took me a few uh, spins to really get it, but after I did, I loved that track so much. That one, I think, Passage Over Time to Passage Off Time too, is a, an amazing track. But I, what I would like to highlight is the track Shades of Hope which is uh, an improv by Jordan Rudas and John Petrucci. I think it's like, it's a short two minute track, but it was all improvised in one take. They did it in one take, yeah. hit record and yep, it's done. And it, it is a testament to their talent and to their chemistry and synergy. Um, I think it's one of the most impressive um, things on the whole album, just because of this fact alone. So yeah, beautiful, um, love this album just in general. Um, I agree that it's a different time from when they first did those two. So what's more normal for them is to go a bit heavier and have the rhythm be a certain way. So it definitely feels different, but it feels still like LT and it's the stuff that we like, at least that I love. So uh, yeah, LT threes, I agree. Great. I just think plainly having them back together doing something was just great. You know, it was, mm -hmm. For all of us that grew up well on those two records, having a chance to see them do anything again, uh, and, and I mean, let's face it, it's still really great. Um, it's hard to match up to those two records, but it's a fantastic album, and to have them back together uh, doing anything was just a treat. It made the year better, you know, for me. Definitely. Just, mm -hmm. Which I think is great. I I I um I enjoyed the first two albums, so I think there was a really nice kind of journey from John Petrucci's solo album through to LTE three, uh, you know, through to the Dream Theater album. Um, you know, in terms of just that kind of um what you know, what they've been what they've been doing, I suppose, particularly what John and Jordan have been doing. 
and um, Jordan's been very, very active on on Patreon over lockdown, and that's something I've I've plugged into, and I think got a good appreciation of of everything that went into the making of the album. I think the blend of the the arranged and the and the improvised on it is is really really strong. I just think it it all it all fits together really really well. You know, Petrucci's on just a tremendous creative streak, and in a span of about twelve to fourteen months, he released Terminal Velocity, a solo record. LTE three and the new Dream Theater, and that's just a lot of riffs. Yeah, I mean, he's, that's that you got to come up with a ton of stuff. Yeah, he's a riff uh, machine. I don't know how he remembers it all. It's really. amazing. Yeah, amazing stuff. All right, Jeff, you're up. Hey, um, so again, if you listen to our podcast, you'll know I'm a big Yes fan. So let's face it, um, three albums. Uh, since 2001 um so it's it's always a big year when there's a new yes album and probably like a lot of these releases it it sort of came as a as a little bit of surprise to us people had been expecting it but wondering would it ever appear um obviously significantly the first album um since chris squire passed away and indeed the first to really you know primarily feature steve howe um as producer and the driving in the driving seat really on this album um it's got contributions from how davidson jeff downs billy sherwood they've all written in various combinations to the extent that that was possible um under lockdown and it's a i suppose i call it it's a classic album length it's about 45 to 50 minutes um there are some bonus tracks and um i think they're probably for me they're probably more of a distraction actually from from what's in the main album um you know and i think with every yes lineup there will be variations in the sound in the focus and and i think this really is you know i i viewed this as a new lineup and a new approach there's absolutely no doubt the guitar is very much at the forefront of everything um that's happening um and probably its feel is maybe more relaxed than probably some of the more frantic music um, in the earlier parts of the, of their career, um, but I think sonically using um, Downs or sorry, apologies, using uh, Davison, High and Sherwood's vocals, uh, using an orchestra, using a variety of styles, they've come up with something that I think is a really worthy addition um, to their catalog, and as we have come to expect. Um, it's got great packaging, a fantastic uh, uh, box set, an art book version um, uh, from their first album on Inside Out. And um, o- overall, it's an album that I'm pleased uh, has been released and an album that I've really enjoyed this year. <laughs> I'm a yes fan. So no matter what, as controversial as the style might be, the lineup, whatever, if yes release an album, it's a good year. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> you know, 
I, I will say this, heaven and hell was a massive disappointment to me. Um, it just it just didn't hit the mark at all. And I, I, I went even so far as to questioning whether this was yes at all. Whereas now in 2021, uh, and under the stewardship of, of Steve Howe, they seem to, they seem to be uh, getting back to who yes are and, and what fans would, ex- would expect. So in that respect, we gotta, we got to love it, we've got we to respect it, and we've got to welcome and embrace it. I mean, there's a lot of good songs on it. it, it again, it's just a matter of if you're willing to with, remove yourself from needing it to be close to the edge or topographic oceans or something. But if you just take it at face value for what it is, there's a lot of good songs. They're well-written, well-performed. Steve Howe plays great. The production is probably the best they've had in a long time. Um, you know, I really like Future Memories. I thought it was a really nice little ballad that has a, a good melody there. Living Island, I think, is a nice closer. And then I, I think for most people, when they heard The Ice Bridge, you know, I, I think that's a really good rock track that, yeah. unfortunately, there's not more of that on the record. I think if it simply had one or two more of that kind of up-tempo uh, kind of power to it on a couple more songs that might have elevated the album a little bit because that song is did, actually really didn't you get the really feeling great. though that there's more to come didn't you get didn't you get the i don't know i I, I, I feel like steve howe never wants to stop you know he doesn't <laughs> seem like he ever wants to quit he's into this so yeah i could see another record but they have not intimated one way or another so who knows I think it's great that Alan White's drumming on it and you can, you know, as a fan of drums, you can hear his age and his drumming, but it's still Alan White. And it's just great that after all these years, he's still doing what he does. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and again, I, I mean, they had a number of tour dates that have, you know, been uh, set and canceled multiple times over the whole COVID period. So, you know, hopefully they'll be able to get back on the road. I think they were doing Relayer. Was that the tour? Was that the last one that they were doing? Yep. Yep. Hope, yeah. Fingers crossed for May 2022 in Europe. Your tickets? You have tickets? <laughs> I've got tickets. I've had tickets for nearly three years. Yeah. <laughs> they're not on the cruise. Is this the first yeah, year they're yeah. not on Cruise of the Edge? I mean, uh, they won't be. I was yeah. just going to say, surely, surely there'll be a last-minute surprise about that now that they've released an album. They have not been announced. They're not expected to be on the next one. So, uh, you know, in in May, May of twenty-two. Uh, okay, so uh, let's see. What did we cover? Let's try and, and remember. Uh, we had Life Signs, uh, Big Big Train, uh, Dream, Theater. Dream Theater. You always forget mine, dude. I, I know Dream Theater uh, and Liquid Tension, and yes. So that's the next round, man. Some heavy. Heavy hitters in that second Good round. Stuff. My goodness. Yeah. They didn't even make the final round. What could possibly be in the final round of, uh, of albums? Um, all right. So for my, my last pick, uh, I'm going to talk about, man, if you would have told me at the beginning of this year that one of my favorite albums of this year and one that I would talk about so highly at the end of this podcast would be from Styx. Uh, I would not have expected that, but... Uh, their, uh, I think it's, uh, I wrote it down here, 17th studio album, uh, Crash of the Crown, is uh, easily one of my favorites of this year. It's just an incredible record. Uh, it's 
again, Styx is not thought of as the traditional prog group in the style of, uh, yes, Genesis and that things. I mean, certainly their early days had a lot of heavy prog stuff to it. And then they became a massive pop band with, you know, mega hits on, on rock radio. Uh, the last couple of records, going back to the one that preceded this, The Mission from 2017, was also a return to a bit more of a progressive sound with more keyboard solos and guitar solos, and that was a concept album. This one is maybe a sort of a loosely based concept. It, it ties into a lot of what we're all dealing with, with COVID and, and lockdown and, be, and being disconnected from one another, and uh, there's a lot of lyrical uh, references to that kind of thing. Uh, other than that, I wouldn't say that it's really a concept album like The Mission was. Uh, but again, it, it approaches that prog territory for them. Um, the title track is is very eclectic, very Queen-influenced. Uh, there's a track also called Common Ground. Big Big Trains you know, has their version. They have one. And that's uh, also a really cool proggy-influenced track on there. Uh, Reveries is a great rock single. Um, uh, uh, Sound the Alarm, one of my top tracks of the year. Just a powerful, emotional ballad with Tommy Shaw just sings his brains off. And it's just amazing. Uh, it is an album that is short, concise. It's about 45, 50 minutes of about 14 songs. They all go one right into the other, into the other, into the other. There's no waste. You can put it on. And it is really one of those albums. You get to song five and you're like, man, that's a great song. And immediately song six starts and you're like, that's a great song too. And it just continues. And you cannot, it, it, it makes it difficult to want to stop it. And, and just decide I'm gonna stop listening now because it, it just doesn't it just doesn't let up um, it's a great great record I think it's one of the best records from sticks I can remember in a long time and it's one that uh, has definitely stuck with me uh, I was produced by will Ivanovich I think is how we say his name and he's a initial guitarist musician that I think has since become a full member of the band and, and tours with them um, you know shout out to Lawrence Gowan who uh, Again, great uh, vocals on here, and Todd Zuckerman, whose drumming is always amazing. Um, but I mean, this is all Tom, Tommy Shaw has just become uh, someone to really admire. The way his voice has held up and just possibly even gotten better over over the last twenty years is truly commendable. He's an amazing singer uh, and frontman for that band. So uh, I'm happy to see that live. They do play a few songs from this album. As they should. I think all these bands that make these amazing new records should not be held to just playing their hits. You know, play three or four of these and, and put them out there because they're absolutely worthy uh, and as good as anything in their catalog. So I highly recommend this album. I can't, I can't talk about it enough. Absolutely love this album. Every second of it. I mean, since you sent it to us, Roy, I, I, I can I can hardly I can hardly stop playing the thing. Really, Come, coming out the other side, and as you said, Reverie, oh, that's such a great song too. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow, it's it it really is sticks at their best, and you know if if you're a fan of classic sticks, go get this album. You won't be sorry. And big shout out to Todd Sukerman, who is is one of the unsung heroes of the drumming world. I think um, Will Ivankovic, who you mentioned earlier on, has has you know played a key part in this album and played a key part in the mission. He hooked up with Tommy Shaw through Tommy's last solo album. Um, and and he's become a an MVP, I think, in this in this whole lineup. And I think it's that brilliant blend of um, you know respecting the legacy of the band, um, but also just producing great music. You know, there's there's nothing. I don't think I think the longest track in the album is about four minutes long. Um, certainly, you know, two and a half, three minute tracks. Um, you know, prevail. Um, and yes, someone did come in the door behind me. Oh, they're um, not cleaning windows, so that's okay. They're not cleaning <laughs> windows. Um, I think there's, you know, a brilliant use of all the musicianship within that band, all of the vocal uh, blends within the band, and, and a shout out as well to. Th- there were, I think, the album's about forty minutes long, and there were two tracks that they that they didn't put on it. Um, the same Stardust and Age of Entropy. And they've put those out on an EP with some live material, and those two songs are are equally as good as what's on there. That mm-hmm. I mean, they just seem unstoppable um, at this point. And as you say, brilliant, you know, massive respect for um, you know to the band for going and putting four, three, four, five of these songs straight into their live sets. And certainly, watching footage online would suggest it's it's going down so well. Yeah. Um, so you know, well, you know what I like well, about this record too is that. Uh, all the vinyls that come out now, they're all double, triple vinyls because the albums are so long. And there is something cool about just, it's a one vinyl, two sides, that's it. Yep. You know, you get five, six, seven songs on each side, not two songs on each side that you have to keep flipping over records. I just love that old school thing about it. And I think that they even, you know, manicured the record for that purpose. Yeah, when we, we talk, I talked to Todd Zuckerman about that, and they were really yeah. focused on that. They did not want filler. They did not want to extend it. They wanted one record for it. And I think that that's cool. I love that. Yeah, it's yep. sort of an indictment on our uh, attention spans that things are moving towards a, you know, like the default on Spotify at one point was to like shuffle albums, you know. Mm. I think Adele actually got that changed. But yeah. Uh, you know, so we were talking about earlier how, you know, Between the Buried and Me is an 80-minute album. We can't handle that. So maybe that's an indictment of us. But at the same time, I love for an album to just be like 35 minutes. You, know, you think of like Van Halen 1984, it's like 36 minutes long or something, and it's great. Like, there's something to say about an album being what it is, just like a film. Like, if it can work just as well at 90 minutes, it should, you know? Well, you know, when you have to – when you had that limitation – all those bands for Genesis and all you, when you have, they certainly wrote tons of songs and you really sure. had to sit and live with those songs and pick the eight, maybe nine or 10 that fit. You really ended up with, in most cases, the cream of the crop that landed on there. And that's why some of those albums are, uh, stand the test of time. I think maybe you're right, but maybe there's something totally. to that, but certainly there is that thing. Well, Hey, we wrote 14 songs. Let's put all 14 out because they're all they we think they're great and then everything ends up on a record and you have three vinyls. Uh, so, uh anyway, um uh moving on, uh who is uh who's next? Nick. 
your second one, your, your final one. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. So who else that you can think of would start an album with a little girl's voice saying <laughs> hello and welcome to the rest of your life. Before we begin this short journey, please sit back, relax, and remember, enjoy yourselves. You scum. scum. <laughs> yeah, <there's> a... <laughs> There's only one band, and that, of course, is Frost and their 2021 release in May, Day and Age. I absolutely love this album. It's, it's amazing to think that this is uh, only Frost's fourth studio album, um, but it is. What I love most about Frost uh, is, is not only their startling musicianship, their incredible chops, their wonderful songwriting and all that, but they do it with such a distinctive British humor. Um, those of you who have ever been to a Frost concert, you'll know that, that I mean, there's a lot of humor that, 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 that's thrown into the, the live events. And I think that shines through on this album. The, the whole theme of it is that you enjoy yourself. And that theme comes up in, in, um, in various forms throughout the album. Um, and that, that kind of reveals um, not only the, the, the band's deep sense of irony and humor, but very often also a, a, a bit of a dark, dark aspect too. There's a lot of circumspection around that. And they revisit that theme throughout, throughout the album. Um, now, one of the remarkable things about the album is that Frost are officially now a three-piece after the departure of Craig Blundell, um, leaving Jim Godfrey, uh, John Mitchell, and Nathan King. But in typical Jim Godfrey fashion, they went in and, and, and filled that, that gap, not with one drummer, but with three real real heavy hitting drummers, Kaz Rodriguez, who's a kind of a drummer's drummer who plays with Chaka Khan and Josh Groban, uh, Darby Todd, who will be the tour drummer, um, who, who's gonna perform this material live. And then none other than Pat Mastelotto from King Crimson and Mr. Mister. Um, so with this lineup, you, you can actually hear the band literally enjoying themselves through, throughout the, the, the production. And of course, it's got it all. The standout song for me is the title track, Day and Age, which very often Mitchell's vocal comes through as living in a dying age. Sometimes it sounds like, and that might be intentional or not. It's got this incredible uh, suspenseful harmonic riff and at 12 minutes, it's, 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 it's a moment of brilliance, as good as anything that Frost have done in the past. And I, and I will include Million Town in that, which is, which is a, a, a classic prog album, in my opinion. Um, but it's not just the title track, Terrestrial Island Life, um, Repeat to Fade, which is a, a Pat Mastelotto masterclass. I mean, it's... It, just imagine if John Bonham uh, and John Paul Jones, uh, I think I said in the review, were playing prog in 2021. This is, this is what it would sound like. Um, so the album, while highly technical, um, is also very soulful. It, uh, it shows massive uh, musical prowess, production, uh, and, under the uh, and, under the guidance of of Jim Godfrey, of course, and 
while going to new territories, it absolutely has that sound that we all have come to love from Frost since Million Town. So um, possibly my favorite album of the year when everything is taken into account, composition, performance, production, lineup, and everything else. And for those of you who have not listened to it or don't have a copy, go get it. You have no choice but to enjoy yourselves. You scums. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to say a couple things. This is as of right now, we don't have Vix picks and Vix picks, Vix picks and, and Kyle Graves in yet. But this is the only song we all picked for our favorite of the year. The same song because that opener is that good. And I had no idea that was Kaz Rodriguez. I follow him on Instagram. He's incredible. Like you said, drummer's drummer. I didn't know that was him drumming on that, but that makes all the sense in the world. So, yeah, and Devin Townsend did that same thing on Empath. He had three different drummers. I don't know if that's like a kind of developing thing where you get these studio greats and give them a few tracks and it kind of adds to the texture and the eclectic nature of an album or something, but that's interesting. Yeah, that opening song, the title track is just so great. It You're might be fans. my favorite song by that band, maybe next to the you know, Million Town uh, track itself. But uh, I just love that the whole feel of that song. It's uh, it's as good an opener and just driving kind of rock track that uh, that could have been a hit in, in, you know, multiple eras. I think it's just really great. And I, I, I wish that would be a band that would tour more and make more records and, and be more consistent uh, because they're really one of the sort of darlings of uh you know the the critics and sort of the underground fan base everybody really wants to love this band and love uh everything that john mitchell does and and, and so on but um they really shine when they do frost uh it would be great if they just continue to do some more stuff it's been very long between each album well john and jim are now doing a weekly facebook uh post <laughs> presentation yeah. which would in the lead they're up funny. To the they're tour, great which, to watch. Yeah, yeah. It 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 just indicates that they they're, they're taking Frost very seriously. You know. Yeah. Well, that podcast uh, you and I did with them was a lot of fun. That's all. Right. I, just this past uh, year, we did where we picked our you know pop prog tracks or whatever. That was that was a lot of fun. That's out there if you want it, to check it out. It's it's like talking to prog virtuoso comedians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot a lot of joking involved. Uh, okay, uh, Dan, your last one. Okay, so not sure where to begin with this one. It's Leprous Aphelion. And I got a lot to talk about. Just so. keep your pants on, okay? Okay, I will. All right, let me um, get situated. Yeah, uh, please okay. get comfortable. Um, you can read my full review if you want on the website. It might have been the longest I've ever written. But, I mean, let's just say this would have been my album of the year if Transatlantic wasn't a thing. Uh, yeah, so let's go. Lapras is definitely one of the big, uh, the biggest bands in our genre now. Uh, they do things in such a unique way, the way they approach vocal line melodies, 
uh, transitions, rhythm and drum lines and driving the songs and like electronic sounds included in instrumentalism. I mean, I could go on. It's just so refreshing in general. And Affidian is another one of those albums that was made during COVID. And lyrically, it brings forward a bunch of these themes, um, isolation, loneliness, impotence, anxiety, uh, depression, etc. And their singer Einar has, talk, has talked about how on the previous album, Pitfalls, they approach these themes in a more somber manner, like um, just a, a darker tone. And now it's much more in line of how do I deal with this? Uh, it's more mature, aware and clear headed. Um, like, don't worry, it's still super melancholic and depressive. But anyways, uh, it hits home for me. Um, a lot of those lyrics are expertly crafted to make you feel things and because they are authentic. And this is good. Um, on the more musical side, though, I think it's lepers doing what they do, but in the best way possible. Um, so not to say there's no uniqueness here. I think there's a lot, but it also feels like a, hom a homage to their best moments. I absolutely adore all the songs here and it could go on about each of them for minutes, but I'll highlight just a few. Um, like the single Silent Revelation, combining many of their classic elements and adding stuff like cellos and their classic us. So yeah, uh, my personal favorite is Shadow Sign with a catchy chorus and amazing guitar solo. Um, Castle Angels, which follows the classic Lapras formula of building and building towards a climax, but this one was recorded live and there's video of it. Um, the final track, Nighttime Disguise, is a love letter to their older and heavier sound, even featuring some growls there in the end, um, and insane drum performance by Bard too. So yeah, this song is a, also, fun fact, is a collaboration between the band and its fans who contributed with the songwriting while they were in the studio and it's very cool stuff. So um, another aspect that I love about it, it is it's production. So not only their sound design is great, but also the videos and overall graphic production. It really makes a difference and I appreciate how much love and care uh, these guys put into every video they make and everything they do like definitely worth the watch so i'm glad they they're back on tour now and i feel super jealous of the folks in europe who are able to experience the songs live did you did you ever see them live no nope, never mm. and yeah I, I mean i think i made my point about how much i love this album how much it means to me and i was able to connect with and hopefully some of you guys listening at home uh were able to experience the same it's definitely special and yeah Lapras affiliate. I'll admit that Leprous are one of those bands that I too easily overlooked because I presumed from the name yeah, that it, it, it there would be Cookie Monster vocals. You know, I just presumed uh, it, yeah. which, which is a shameful thing to have done because far from it, really. Uh, they remind me, well, this album reminds me a lot of Riverside, which is always a good thing. Um, great 
dark melodies, incredible lead vocals. Well, he's one of the best singers in the world. He's amazing. Einar Mm -hmm. is awesome. His range is insane. I mean, they've been pretty consistent, really. All their albums were pretty great. Pitfalls had some phenomenal moments. I think this one is right in line with, with that one. Uh, Nighttime Disguise is great. Silent Revelation, all, uh, amazing. Um, there's a few new kind of elements on this one, which are which are cool. And uh, I, again, for this band, though, I think it all boils down to connecting with them, seeing them live. It just they're one of the most impressive live bands you'll see out there today. And um, it, it really once you get a chance to see them in concert, uh, it changes your whole perspective on them it's just amazing they're really special and i think hopefully they continue to uh to build on what they've been doing they're, they're so close it feels like to breaking through you know uh to being to being a, a a bigger level act like like what i mean to me they're every bit as good as like a muse you know um, so i'd love to see them get more notoriety yeah um you're right great man i knew you love that record that's that makes uh, a lot of sense for you to for sure yeah that as your favorite it has to be here yeah uh all right kyle your last one next year i hope there's a new caligula's horse or something you got to have one of those two they swap yeah. you know, or riverside you know yeah one of yeah. those yeah um i didn't listen to leprous for a while either nick because of the name it that'd be a fun list is like band names that don't match <laughs> the band and their sound and that's like top of the list all right we're gonna go with uh one of my favorite bands this is gonna be the neil morse band which i'll get to it's actually nmb now innocence and danger and so it's always a good year if we get a new album from neil morse which we always do um but specifically uh nmb which to be honest has been easily one of my favorite projects that he's been associated with over the past you know, whenever it's been since they started calling themselves the No Morse Band, um, last seven, eight years. Um, so they've changed the name. It has a new font, a new logo, that sort of thing. And it's meant to signal the collaborative nature of the group, which they were going to be called the Grand Experiment, but went with Neil Morse Band. And then I think later maybe regretted that. I also feel weird talking about this band when Jeff is here, because I feel like no matter what I say, you know more than I do about this band, Jeff. But fact check me if I get this wrong. Um, one thing I had read is, is that Neil entered these writing sessions with less material than ever before. Uh, as far as I know, maybe even no demos. Is that accurate? Yeah. yeah I think so. And so I think the result is, is that to me and to my ear, this, this album feels a little bit more influenced by Bill, 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 you <laughs> Bauer. Um, and it, it reminds me of, uh, we came from space, which is a band that I really like at least elements of this album, especially the, the shorter, the innocent songs on those, the first disc. Um, and for me, that's sort of like a late seventies, early eighties, almost like power pop, you know, classic rock vibe, uh, songs like another story to tell, which made my favorite songs of the year. I love that song and bird on a wire. So just cool, like early eighties, late seventies sound. That's, that's what my ear picks up on. Of course, if Neil's involved and with this group, you're going to get an epic. And in fact, you get two. And so you get not afraid part two and then the 31 minute mammoth beyond the years um this is interesting though because liquid tension i have sort of a similar maybe issue with and it's with the sequencing of the album i well for me with liquid tension i would have sequenced it differently i would have gotten some of those more ad-lib moments 
into the actual disc itself. We've been talking about this throughout this podcast about you got an 80 minute album, it feels too long. You got a 40 minute album, maybe that's the right thing. But when you're dealing with this much music, how do you put it onto two discs? I think it was clever to do like the Innocence disc with the short songs and then, you know, the Danger disc with the long songs, but it almost feels kind of uneven to me a little bit to have two epics side by well, you side. Know, Mike actually had said in a, a one of those track by track uh, clips that they posted yeah. that, um, I think it was not afraid part two was actually going to be the opening track on the record. That's what it was. Yeah. Somehow I attributed that to Jeff, but it was Mike Portnoy, Jeff Portnoy. Um, but I wonder how the album would come across if it were sequenced that way, which, you know, it's not. So what is it worth discussing? I guess. But, um, for me, by the time the album ends, I'm like maybe a little bit tired on some level, but I love it. I love those opening tracks personally the most. Um, but what I really appreciate about this album is just the diverse nature of it and the, in the mix of it. Um, and so just another great album from this band. funny that you say that i mean i could easily just have the second disc with the two long epics and be happy (laughs) (laughs) well i think we have different tastes maybe i find myself liking the shorter songs as i get older i don't know those are two of the best epics neil and and those guys have made they're amazing both of them it's it's uh hard to even distinguish sometimes between the two but you know, beyond the years is something else, man. Yeah. That is really- I mean, I, I love the first album, the first disc. I love uh, a place in the sun specifically. Um, but I could live with just the second one. I could just have that one and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a weird mix. It, I think what you're talking about in terms of sequencing, which sort of happens to me as well. It's just that there's that middle of the record, which there's the two long epics in the, the not long epics, but like two sort of eight, nine, 10 minute songs in the beginning and the two long ones in the, in the end. And then in the middle, it's all kind of the shorter pop stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder what it would be like if it was sort of mix and match between some of the mixing them up, how that would feel like, maybe that's what you're referring to, but um, yeah, I, again, another great collection of music by these guys, they, another band that can do no wrong really. But Jeff, I'm sorry. I think I cut you off. No, I, I mean, I was I was just going to say, I think, I mean, it's a colossal musical endeavor. There's just so much um, mm-hmm. happening in that album. I, I like the fact that um, sort of this one is separate from the rest. And I, and I think I think this sort of they work um, together as I think this one for me works really well as a, as a standalone album. You know, if that was all, all we all we got, I, I certainly wouldn't have been disappointed. Um, but I mean, the epics aren't clearly just afterthoughts or bonus tracks they are they are really high quality and i suppose the first time um you know since 2015 which was their first album together that we've seen nmb um you know working outside the constraints of a of a concept album and and bringing in 
um, you know, the writing skills of of all the band members and indeed, you know, the arranging skills as well, because part of the part of the skill here is taking all of the um, relatively short bits and ideas and um, putting them all together. And a shout out as well for um, for the, the cover of Bridge Over Troubled Water, which I know on on the on the Morse Fest live stream was just an incredible um, ex- experience. Um, so yeah, it's no, it's there's so many good things to be said about about the album. It does feel so similar to the Grand Experiment. Um, it, you know, it even has a cover of a classic song, and um, I would have sequenced that album differently too. But anyway, I'll, I'll shut up about sequencing. So I love that the bonus disc tracks on there. So um, I'll just, I'll never be happy. So, Eric, Eric's voice in particular on this one is great. Anytime he gets a wow. chance to shine, it's, it's always a good time too. Yeah. Eric, Eric's voice is kind of the centerpiece of the album for me. And, and he, he proved that at Morse Fest, pulled off every note. Just, well, him and Bill amazing. really sing a lot on this record more than in previous albums. At least it feels that way. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with what Jeff was saying. It, it, it seems like Bill contributed more than ever compositionally. Um, and wow, you know, the, the band just continues to progress and mature and got to love them. Yep. If you're in Prague, you got to love NMB. Well, I'm assuming uh, we have a long sit down for the next one, that the, the final album on this that Jeff's going to talk about. So why don't you go ahead? Well, I'm sure I'm sure everyone will 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 probably know what has been saved to last. Um, I think when Personal Shopper, the first single from the Future Bites, <laughs> dropped, many of us were. <laughs> what, what, what? Don't know why everybody's laughing. Yeah. No, okay. It's no, weird. sorry. I I, I, wa- I wanted to throw a bit of a a curveball there. Um, yeah. I mean, clearly. And I will talk about the future bites whenever we get to our honorable mentions. Um, but obviously, transatlantic, um, the absolute universe. It seems, uh, you know, we're releasing the fifth of February, and it seems like an album that's been with us for the whole, for the whole year. And indeed, for for some of us who got to review it a little bit even earlier than that. Um, and um, I was I was laughing earlier on when we were talking about. You know, isn't it great that some albums are forty minutes and thirty-five minutes, uh, and then we have the absolute universe? Um, you know, uh, again, an album that 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 began um, to be worked on in September twenty nineteen, um, and um, probably one of the first fully formed uh, works that touches upon the pandemic certainly was affected by it. Um, and you know, what did Transatlantic try and do? Well, they um, had a lot of material um they decided to do something pretty much unprecedented by putting out two two versions of the album but not just a long one and a short one the album um was reworked into two um separate albums um and you know you know what can be said about it it's transatlantic back um always a highlight um and back with an incredibly good album you know, strong input from every single band member the whole way throughout it. Um, you know, highlights, it's really hard to pick stuff out, um, you know, but when that first single um, landed of the overture and reaching for the sky, you know, it, it was a it was a real signal of what was to come. 
um the album you know is just extensive and again an album that you can keep going back to in each of its forms and hearing new and different things um it's also given us 12 months of of debate and discussion around which version is better and of course there are indeed three versions because there is the the ultimate version on the blu-ray um personally i i've i've I, I'm a fan of the breath of life. I like kind of the the conciseness of it, and I know that that that's probably not a common view amongst this group. And um, we're not even going to get into that because that's a whole podcast episode <laughs> on, on itself. Um, but you know, great input from Roina in terms of stuff like Al Howl and Reaching for the Sky, um, Belong, Can You Feel It? Um, you know the ending on breath of life of the greatest story never ends in the love made away uh the 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 epic finale that you know that that we just love in these kind of works um this ability to play spot the difference um you know so songs that have one arrangement and set of lyrics and set of vocalists on one album switching to another album uh, with different vocalists different lyrics um and uh, and we talk, mentioned a few times about um, box sets, um, and you know that, that that's pretty much a standard thing um, that comes now for for most prog releases. Maybe sometimes even if the content might not necessarily justify it, um, but the ultimate edition of the Absolute Universe, five vinyl albums, three CDs, and I have to say, uh, um, you know the the Blu-ray with a 5.1 mix and the visualizer and an entirely new version constructed of 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 elements from both of the albums um again which which one of our number mr levy um contributed to quite significantly a, a brilliant way to enjoy that album um back in 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 the days of heavier lockdown when we actually had time to sit and and uh, have a, a two-hour uh meal of uh surround sound and and visual incredibleness between uh crafted between christian rios and daniel um and let's hope a tour in 2022 where we get to hear it live um i mean it's a it's an ultimate album um and certainly a standout one for all of us i know um for the for this year So I think you covered it. I'm actually not jealous that I, I, you were the one that talked about it because it's so much to cover, but like on my personal experience, Transatlantic is my favorite band. Um, And I think it's the band that pushed me into being like a dedicated fan because I was a fan of Dream Theater and all that. And then like when I, I came across like this sort of music that's so intense and it speaks so much with the listener. It's when I became a, a really dedicated fan. And working on that visualizer was some of the most insane privilege and honor I have ever done. And it even makes me a little bit emotional talking about it. But 
Um, I really hope we can see these guys live. Um, it's beyond words what this album means to me. So I'm really glad yep. we can all share this together. Yes, yeah. that was me. Amazing, uh, <laughs> amazing al album and collection. I mean, you're right, Jeff, that box set is really something great. It's such a nice uh, package to have uh, and, and worth it for all that comes with it, you know. Uh, those guys did an amazing thing. Uh, well, a, a catch a catchphrase of the pandemic was uh, unprecedented. You know, that was a word that it kept was, coming yeah. up. And, and on some level, this is really an unprecedented release to do something that's not been done in music before with the three different versions of the same album. And then even that release, like in the prog world, it'd be hard to find a box set that really gets on that level. So it's it's the perfect last album to discuss on this list because um yeah, you know the basically the first thing i listened to in this year and it really is just there's been nothing that's matched it for me and i also have to give a shout out to solitude which i know is on some level a controversial track because of uh pete's vocals but um i love them i think it's great and i uh, lyrically and emotionally that's my favorite track of the year Great song. I like that song. Um, so recapping the last round, which was, uh, again, my memory has just been terrible. Uh, Styx, Frost, Leprous, uh, NMB, and Transatlantic. So uh, great uh, 15 albums here. It's been an awesome year, and we left out so many uh, amazing records. So we've, we've gone a bit long here on this podcast. So let's try and do a few minutes of uh, real fast – uh, honorable mentions, uh, Jeff. Why don't you go ahead and give us uh, yours, which I think we know what it is. Well, I've got a couple. I I love the Future Bites, and um, um, I think probably that I I love the concept. I think it has loads of strong moments in it. Um, I love the packaging. I, again, it's the most hilarious box set you've ever seen in your life, um, including a blank disc and a blank CD and all sorts of stuff. I think probably the thing I would say about it is that having not had the opportunity to tour it i mean i think seeing seeing those songs in a live context could have maybe brought it into the the context of the the whole over and, and to an extent it's a shame that probably it'll be overshadowed by the porcupine tree reunion but i still listen to it a lot i love it on headphones it's just an insane listening experience quick mention to three other things Transatlantic came out at the start of the year. Dave Bainbridge's To the Far Away has literally just landed, and I've really, really been enjoying it. Dave's obviously featured a couple of times here, and I suppose it's a little bit of a shame that it's a late 2021 um, release that, that that we may not get to pick up next year. Um, we've mentioned Rob Reed before. Um, there's a new Magenta EP has just landed. He also has produced a, the part one of a brilliant... Um, instrumental um album which is going to be a two album set called the ringmaster which i really enjoyed and finally um to show that i do listen to all of you very 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 occasionally um over the last couple of weeks i've been really really enjoying um riverside the 20 year anniversary album um the shorts and the longs um you guys have been encouraging me to like them for or listen to them for a long time. And to be honest, I kind of probably have had a preconception of what they might sound like. But the um, the the kickoff, the story of my dream, the new track, I, I really, really enjoyed it. That's and a great I've, song. I've, I've, I've dived into um, that compilation. And actually, there's so many 
brilliant moments that, mm-hmm. that have a whole catalog there to go and discover for the first time. So um, nice. I'm excited about that for, for next year. Yeah, so yeah. Riverside was going to be my honorable mention because I, I know we had to, to give it a shout out. In Story of My Dream, uh, I was just on a trip a couple of weeks back, a road trip. I listened to that song too many times. And yeah, so Riverside for sure. Also a quick mention of Kinglet, uh, a cool new band, has a, an EP out called Tangerine. Really cool if you like instrumental stuff like Scale the Summon and Animals Leaders. And yeah, also the Future Bites. You gotta check it out. Uh, quick mention for PFM, Premiata for Neria Marconi. I Dreamed of Electric Sheep. Very orchestral cinematic, uh, but it's got that PFM flair that, that we all love with a punchy sound. Um, uh, do you guys know, uh, some people pronounce it Sun, others pronounce it Soen. Yeah. Uh, for Soen, all you yeah. Tool fans out there. It was a good album, uh, yeah. Great, great album. Yeah. The album Imperial, really good. And this year I discovered an Australian prog band called Terra Maze, who released a, a very fine album, Sorella Minore, which has got a, a, a great song on it called Between These Shadows, amongst others. So give it a listen. Yeah. I also really listened good. to that one the first time a couple of weeks back. Really, really good. Yeah, great band. Kyle, what do you uh, just some kind of major releases from uh, legacy artists. Jethro Tull had an album. Uh, Steve Hackett. No, Jethro the year Tull comes one. out next year. Oh, is that next year? Okay, next well. Year the single's out. They had a song out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Saga had an album, and we can't not mention Saga. Right. So, Symmetry was album, really right? cool. It was like a reworking, yeah, acoustic good. reworking of, of the stuff they did. It was really good. And we mentioned... Uh, is it Novena or Novena, Novena? Novena. I, Novena. I shouldn't have even tried to do this. They had a good, they had a good EP. It had some great tracks. It showed up on our favorite songs. Uh, um, that EP was solid. Yeah, good good shout out for that. Um, yeah, I got a few. Um, one I recently discovered, which is really cool, called uh, it's a band called Others by No One. Uh, the album's called Book Two: Stories from uh, no- Nowhere, I believe. And uh, if you like Between the Buried and Me but sort of even crazier, if I may, uh, that would be like that. Uh, it's, uh, be, it's between a bear to me meets, um, deer hunter meets Devin Townsend or something. Uh, really really cool. just insane, fun, cool stuff. Um, I, maybe good, I, maybe good music if you're having a massage. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, the Ray Wilson album, weight of man, which uh, one of my favorites this year. I love love his voice, and it's a great, uh, great album. And uh, the Jason Beeler album, which songs from the apocalypse, which is uh, not a full-on prog record, but a lot of prog moments. Has a lot of guests, Devin Townsend, Todd Latore, a few other people, some great uh, musical moments on there. Um, so I, I like that one a lot. And uh, Robbie Steinhardt's uh, posthumous release, uh, which I really like as well. Um, uh, this we're not in Kansas anymore, I believe it's called, and uh, just a fun, great record, just awesome. If you're a Kansas fan, it's it's definitely one you don't you don't want to sleep on. Uh, it's a nice, tri- sorry, a nice tribute to uh, to his legacy, and uh, he sings great on it. There's a nice uh, different take on Dust in the Wind, which is which is worth checking out. So, um, God, I think oh we should uh, I want to give a shout out to although we don't do a lot on this band and we don't talk about them too much, but the Mastodon. Album Hushed and Grim was was actually really solid, uh, and uh, a lot of people are really high on that record this year. That might be one you want to check out as well if you like things on the heavier side. Um, 
that's uh, that's one we should give a shout out to as well. So, man, that's a lot of music, uh, a lot of things. And I'm sure cover. we forgot someone. Oh, please go ahead. No, no, I'm sure we forgot. Some. Oh, I thought you, I thought you had yeah. one that we forgot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a crazy year, 2021. Um, and uh, we also have the Prague Report Awards, which uh, I probably have announced by now. Uh, by the time we air this, I don't know how things have worked out. So uh, again, uh, thanks to uh, everybody that. Uh, well, thanks to these guys on the podcast for all their contributions, and to Vic and uh kyle graves and everybody else that's uh written for us this year it's been a crazy intense year of dealing with covid and all this music and everything so it's it's been hard for everybody but hopefully uh you've enjoyed the podcast and the music and we've gotten you through some of these times and uh thank you for everybody for uh checking out parkreport.com and facebook and twitter and instagram and our podcast and youtube channel and blah 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 uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll try to keep it going through 2022 and sure. uh, that's it happy holidays happy new year and we'll see you on the other side thank you roy thank you guys happy Enjoy new year yourselves bye you scums bye <laughs> <laughs>